Hello, lovely listeners. I'm your host, Sally, and you're listening to Reverse Reset Restore, the place where we unravel the mysteries of the mind, exploring how changing your thoughts can change your life and free ourselves from the real or imagined experiences that has left indelible impact as to who we think we are. Change comes from within. Today, I am going back to talk about the amazing reticular activating system, which I discussed back in episode 62, where I introduced it as our personal assistant of our mind. And we discussed how we can utilize its incredible powers for unlocking our positivity. I want to revisit this awesome system and its interactions with our imagination to create our reality. Before we get into the nitty gritty of today's topic, let's take a quick review of this amazing system. You can, of course, go back and check out the episode for more details on the RAS. I'll leave the link to that episode in the show notes. The reticular activating system located within the brainstem acts as a filter that sorts through the myriad of stimuli bombarding our senses at any given moment. Its primary function is to determine what information is relevant and worthy of our conscious attention. Imagine it as the bouncer at the door of a nightclub, allowing only a select few guests to enter the party. The RAS employs selective attention to filter information based on our internal programming. It's like when you buy a new car and suddenly you start noticing that same exact car everywhere. That is the RAS at play. If you've ever experienced the feelings of, I can't believe I didn't notice that before, you've encountered the work of the RAS. This phenomenon highlights its profound impact on what we perceive in our reality. It's a pretty busy program we've got going on in there. I can't even begin to imagine the calculations and flux of information that it is dealing with at any given time. So we have the RAS running around like a headless chicken, trying to let me know only what I need to know. And then we have our imagination. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Using the RAS to pull from our imagination and create our reality. Sounds impossible, right? Nope. Think again. You do this every day. It's just that often it's applied in what we consider mundane tasks that we don't realize that the RAS and our imagination are co-conspirators working in tandem. I can't speak for your imagination, but mine is wild and fierce and will not be tethered by any mortal bounds. Just how I like it. But for the purposes of this conversation, let's think of the imagination as the playground of the mind. A realm where you can explore limitless possibilities, create vivid scenarios and envision your desires. It's where innovation art and dreams are born. While imagination may seem like a fanciful concept, its impact on your reality is profound. I've said it before and I will say it again. Your thoughts create your reality. Let's talk about the symbiotic relationship, how the RAS and the imagination interact. 
So our RAS and our imagination have a symbiotic relationship working together to shape our perceptions, our beliefs and our actions. Here's kind of how it works. Let's start with selective attention. So your RAS takes cues from your imagination. When you vividly imagine a goal, desire or scenario, your RAS tunes into information related to that image. It heightens your awareness of opportunities and resources that align with your imagination. This works for good and bad and everything in between. When one of my best friends died that day and for many days afterwards, every second car on the road seemed to be yellow because her car was yellow. Was there really more yellow cars on the road? Or did my imagination and my RAS work together to focus my attention to notice those particular colored cars? Was my grief heightening my awareness? Or was it a way that my beautiful friend was reaching out to me to try to comfort me in my inconsolable grief? The second thing we need to look at is the filtering of the information. So your RAS filters out information that doesn't match your imagination. If you're constantly dwelling on negative thoughts or fears, your RAS will amplify those feelings and filter out positive experiences. This is why you can never catch a break or why so-and-so is always having the worst luck. In the case of seeing all the yellow cars, maybe my RAS knew how heartbroken I was and thought the images of yellow cars would bring me comfort or heighten the emotional distress that I was in. Number three is confirming beliefs. So your RAS seeks evidence to confirm your beliefs. If you believe in your abilities, your RAS will highlight situations where you succeed. Conversely, if you doubt yourself, it will amplify instances of failure. This is the idea of self-fulfilling prophecy in action or the law of attraction. In the case of me noticing yellow cars everywhere I went after my friend died, I actually began to test this theory by asking to have purple cars show up instead. A, because there are a lot fewer purple cars on the road, and B, because purple was my friend's favorite color. Which brings me to number four, goal achievement. By visualizing your goals and desires, you prime your RAS to recognize and seize opportunities that align with your visions. Your imagination acts as a blueprint guiding your RAS towards success. So continuing using the yellow and purple cars as the example here, I kept asking for yellow and purple cars to show up and they did. Whenever I asked to see a purple car, one would appear, usually more than one. Why? Because I am that powerful. I call in anything from the universe and it delivers. Well, kind of. But on a purely biological level, this worked because my RAS, my reticular activating system, sought out the surrounding stimuli to help me notice the very thing I was seeking out. Sounds pretty cool, right? We do this stuff all the time, unconsciously drawing in the things our imagination has conjured up, even in the mundane. And the RAS, that amazing bunch of neurons sitting in the brainstem, get to work to make the bajillions of things we think, want, need, believe become real. 
Now, <laughs> if this information doesn't make you fall in love with your mind, I don't know what will. So now that we know that we have a personal assistant, or what I jokingly said in the first episode, my own personal Gandalf or Miss Piggy or John Wick, sitting in there doing all this amazing work in conjunction with our imagination and all of the surrounding stimuli. How do we get this thing to work for us in a way that we can see the payoffs? Here's four ways that we can put the reticular activating system and our imagination to work for our good. Number one, visualization. And we talked a little bit about this last week when we were going through creating a vision board. Engage in visualization exercises. Close your eyes and vividly imagine your desired outcomes. Feel the emotions associated with achieving your goals. Now, you might be thinking, no can do, Sally. I can't conjure up feelings by thinking about something. Uh, yeah, you can. You do it all the time. Usually, we use this internal superpower for negative experiences. Thanks again to the amygdala for its eternal fight or flight responses, right? That thing is always looking for trouble. If I asked you to think of something terrible that happened to you, your brain would go right ahead and pull it out of the filing cabinet of your mind and plop it right down into your mind's lap. If I asked you to dwell on that something, that event or person or situation, really start to explore it and pay attention to it, how long does it take for the associated feelings to kick in? Nanoseconds? A few moments? See just how quick it is for us to visualize something in this example of memory and tap into the emotion alongside it. So if we can do that with a memory, we can also do it with what we want to create in our lives. Again, worry and anxiety about what could happen or might be about the future are feelings that are activated by thoughts. The good news is that by entertaining positive feelings and engaging with them instead of all of the negative ones, we can shift our focus and visualize different outcomes. This takes practice. That's all there is to it. Practice. Number two, and we talk a lot about this, is positive affirmations. Combine positive affirmations with your imagination. Envision yourself living the affirmations you repeat daily. Did you know that research has actually shown that the words we speak and think impact our reality? Go back and listen to our special Mental Health Awareness Month series held in October, episode 17 specifically, on affirmations for more details. Or again, episode 62, how to engage your brain's gatekeeper to seek out the positive, as I mentioned earlier. I have the links for both in the show notes. If you're going to consciously use affirmations, and you should, make sure that you stick to these five principles. Be specific, use present tense, use positive language, be consistent, and believe, even if you have to fake it till you make it. Number four is using a dream board or a vision board. We discussed this in last week's episode, visual strategies for a future designed by you. Create a vision board with images representing your goals. Display it where you'll see it frequently, reinforcing your imagination's influence on your RAS. 
I also created a short video which is up on our YouTube channel to show you how to create a vision board. If there is something that you want to manifest into your life, having a visual cue reminds your RAS, your imagination, and whatever other internal and external forces that be to physically see your dreams. You can make digital vision boards, but to be honest, unless you're going and looking at them multiple times a day, they really are best to be on display where you can see them in the real world. You could also use an object as a vision board of sorts. Perhaps a matchbox car if you want a new car, or a stack of coins or money if you want to draw more money to you. I remember reading about Jim Carrey writing himself a check for a million dollars and carrying it around in his wallet. He wrote on the check for acting services rendered. And eventually, he not only got paid that amount, but much more at the height of his acting career. It's just another way to think about how your vision board can best fit your lifestyle. And number five would be if you practice meditation. So during your meditation practice, you can focus on your desired outcomes. This again primes your RAS to search for opportunities aligned with your meditative visions. So now that we've given you a number of ways to help put your RAS and imagination to work, let's talk about the five ways you can harness their collective power. Number one, create clear intentions. Imagination and RAS work best when you set clear intentions, define your goals, your desires, your aspirations. The more that you can paint in all the colors and all the details, the more opportunity you'll have for your RAS and your imagination to work together to bring those dreams into reality. Number two, consistency matters. Regularly engage in practices that blend your imagination and your RAS activation. Consistency strengthens the connection between the two. Often what happens, people decide, yes, they're going to try a new practice. And I talked a little bit about this in last week's episode about with the vision boards. You need to apply action. So there needs to be a consistent practice in place. You can't just put something up on the wall as a pretty picture and never look at it again or never spend time really contemplating it. Same thing with your goals. You can write down a goal, but if that's all you do is just write down the goal, you're actually not going to achieve that goal, right? We know this. We know this. Being consistent, sitting there, looking at your vision board or imagining what it is that you want from your life will help allow that RAS system to recognize, oh, they're serious about this. Let me look for evidence in the world that supports what I'm seeing come through through this person's imagination. Number three, mind your inner dialogue. So monitor your thoughts and beliefs. Transform self-limiting beliefs into empowering narratives. And we have talked about this on a number of previous episodes. But I want to raise it again because it's really easy. We've got ourselves into a habit a lot of the time to speak in negative connotations in our own mind. And our internal dialogue with ourselves tends to be quite a negative experience. When we begin to capture, oh, I just said that I was useless in my head, or I can't do that in my head. When you start to pay attention and you can actually capture the moment where you're saying that to yourself, you can snap out of it and immediately replace that with another thought, with a positive affirmation. 
If you continue to just allow yourself to speak unkindly in your internal dialogue with yourself, you're not going to be able to achieve the goals or the dreams or the desires that you have to change your life. Change comes from within. That's why I start every single episode with change comes from within. Because I want you to understand that when we make changes, we make them from an internal viewpoint, always. Number four, shift your focus. When you're faced with challenges, shift your focus from problems to solutions. Imagine the positive outcomes you desire. Now again, because our brains, our beautiful minds, are naturally designed to look for negativity bias, this is something that you will need to practice. It doesn't just come naturally to most of us. When we come up against something, it's really easy to go down that rabbit hole of worry and frustration and fear and anxiety and all of that negative, yucky feeling stuff. And when we expand upon that, we keep our focus on that, we expand the problems, right? We expand that feeling of helplessness or hopelessness. But if we can shift our focus, so instead of going, okay, something's bummed me out and I'm just going to roll down the road now with this feeling of being bummed out, and instead we can change our perspective and look at it from another angle. We give ourselves the opportunity to provide for ourselves our own solutions and find ways to navigate out of something that might be a terrible circumstance or something that we've maybe blown up out of the proportions that it needs to be. And this is something I am really consciously practicing because I have a very deep-seated root of rejection in my own personal life. And so when I feel or I perceive that there are situations that I'm being rejected in, it's really easy for me to go down this road and wind up in a not a good headspace because I've entertained that negative feeling and negative thoughts. I'm practicing myself how to shift my focus so that I'm not wearing all of this anxiety and angst and stress and rejection over what I perceive are other people's actions, when probably it's got nothing to do with me 99% of the time. And that's what we do, especially if you're a people pleaser or you're a perfectionist and you want to get it right for everybody. It's really easy to take on those burdens of who you think you are or need to be for other people. And it's a big lesson. It takes a lot of time and a lot of work. It's not easy. I still struggle. Even recently, I've had a couple of things that have happened in my personal life that did shake me up and cause me to start to go back into those old patterns. So I had to pull myself out of that mire of my own making, shift my focus back to my worth shift my focus back to how I can see the situations in a different frame, in a different reference point. And what that has allowed me to do is drop that feeling of rejection and that feeling of shame or that feeling of not being good enough and recognize that actually it probably has nothing to do with me and it reflects more on the people involved rather than it does on myself. And that has helped me to spring back into a much more positive frame of mind again. And that leads us into number five, which is cultivate positivity. So foster a positive imagination. Instead of dwelling on worst case scenarios, explore the best case scenarios. 
this reflects back on that mind's amazing ability to focus on the negative things. It's got that negativity bias because it wants to keep us safe. It's in survival mode. It's the amygdala going, hold on a second. We could possibly get eaten or attacked here. So I need to keep you on high alert. That's what the negativity bias does for us. It protects us. In a lot of the things in our life, we don't need to worry. We're not likely to get mauled to death by an animal or come into a huge conflict with people necessarily. But our brain tends to go there. And you'll often find this happens, right? If you are in conflict with somebody and you you want to kind of clear the air, but it's scary because you are afraid of the conflict that may occur if you have a conversation. So what our brain tends to do is then focuses on all of the bad outcomes, the worst case scenarios that are likely to happen. What I'm encouraging you to do here is again, shift your focus and cultivate that positivity and explore the best case scenarios. Using the example of if you're in conflict with someone, don't be afraid to have that talk or that discussion with them. Imagine the best case scenarios. What are the good things that can come out of having a hard conversation? Write them down, mull over it, speak them over your life, use them as an affirmation. You're not responsible for how people respond to you. You are responsible for your own responses. You can't control what another person is going to say or do or think or feel, but you can control how you think and feel and what you say and do. So you're taking on ownership of your end of this conflict. And if you cultivate some positivity, you will have a much more positive outcome, even if the outcome on the surface of it isn't so great. If you are positive, no matter what, you will have much more resilience to the situation. You will have much more personal growth. And you'll be able to bounce back and not allow whatever their thoughts or feelings or actions might be to really influence your own. The reticular activating system and our imagination form a dynamic duo that shapes your perception of reality. Maybe the RAS is the Batman to my imagination's Robin or vice versa. By harnessing their collective power, you can steer your focus toward what truly matters, amplify your desires and propel yourself towards success. Remember, your mind is like a busy organization with the RAS acting as the personal assistant and your imagination is the fun staff breakout room that gives you a chance to unwind, de-stress and play. By using the awesome power of the RAS and your awesome imagination, you can create positivity, growth and achievement in your life and watch as your reality transforms to align with your visions. Pretty exciting, right? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the reticular activating system and especially if you are consciously giving this idea a go. Remember that some of the things that you imagine will almost appear instantaneously and for other things it may take a while. If you know someone who you think may find this episode interesting, please feel free to share it with them. And if you liked this episode, please consider letting me know with a like, a subscribe, a follow, send me stars or review the show. That's a lot of options coming at you, I know, and I appreciate them all. It may be unsurprising that I could not find an inspirational quote about the reticular activating system. 
But there are plenty of quotes about the imagination, and this one speaks to me a lot. It's by J.G. Ballard, author of the novel Empire of the Sun, who wrote, I believe in the power of the imagination to remake the world, to release the truth within us, to hold back the night, to transcend death, to charm motorways, to ingratiate ourselves with birds, to enlist the confidences of madmen. 